Thanks for tuning in to Charlottesville Soundboard. I'm your host, Mary Garner McGee. Soundboard airs every other Saturday at 6 a.m. on WTJU 91.1 FM and also comes to you as a podcast that belongs to the Virginia Audio Collective. Labor unions have been on the rise in the past year, and workers across the country are mobilizing for better pay, better working conditions, and more transparency from their employers. Here in Charlottesville, there are many working people who have recently become interested in the prospects of unionization. And there are also many others who have been involved in unions for quite some time already. In this episode, we'll be hearing from local union leaders about the trials and successes they've experienced in their efforts to gain a more powerful seat at the table. And we'll talk about what the future has in store for unionization in Virginia and here in Charlottesville. Stay tuned for our second segment where we'll be speaking with the president and vice president of the Albemarle Educators Association about the unique challenges of organizing in the public sector of education. But first, we sat down with Kieran Williams, a member of the newly formed Bodo's Union Organizing Committee, to discuss what starting a union looks like and what it means to organize the workers of a local business. I'm Kieran Williams. I use he him pronouns, and I've been working at Bodo's since September 2019. I am one of the members of the organizing committee for unionizing. What about this particular moment has inspired you and your fellow co-workers to start this union? The pandemic showed a lot of just like the social inequalities in general. I started working at Bodo's as a UVA student and I graduated feeling more like a member of the Charlottesville community than the UVA community because I saw like so many other UVA students just like not wearing masks, running around partying and such. And then my coworkers were like struggling to pay bills, being afraid if they got sick, they would have to take two weeks off work and then they wouldn't be able to pay their bills. And it was just really radicalizing for me, watching everything happen all over the country. And then like we've been bringing stuff up to the bosses for a while. We have sick leave because somebody asked for it. We have the COVID sick leave because my fellow organizer, Malcolm, and I wrote the petition to ask for COVID sick leave. That's why we have it. So really, this is just another step in us advocating for ourselves. I'm friends with a lot of people who work there and seeing the inequalities that COVID has exacerbated, but that have always been there play out and it affects like my friends. It's like really a turning point for me to be like, okay, I want to help do something about this. Can you describe some of your goals as an association in this unionization process? We have a couple of big things that we want. Number one, we want a living wage. We want to employ people from the city to serve the city. And people need to be able to afford to live in the city. According to the MIT living wage calculator for Charlottesville, for like a single person with no dependents, the living wage is $18.59 an hour. Now, a lot of us do have dependents. I've heard one too many conversations between people who've been working there for years talking, giving each other advice on rent relief. If you've been working somewhere for years, you shouldn't need to be applying for rent relief. Just end of story, period. Number two, we need a set of guidelines to deal with harassment from other coworkers, sexual or otherwise. We need like an HR of some kind. We need like enforcement of our respect and comfort policy. It seems like there aren't guidelines and it's just left up to the managers. And for some things, I think that should be perfectly fine. But the, the fact there have been like numerous instances of people who have said or done just abysmal things 
like the fact that there have been three or four of these off the top of my head that I can think of, something just has to be done. And so that's definitely something we want in our contract. And number three, transparency in general. We don't really know right now why certain people are paid what they're paid. Like one of my friends got two raises in like the span of a couple of months and I didn't get one for almost a year and a half and I had no idea why. We don't have like regular performance reviews. Transparency is a huge thing. And not just for pay, but every single time the COVID policies changed, like it happened mid-shift with no warning. I'm, I'm not even 100% sure all of the managers knew every time. So I don't know. I just, I just think it's like really inconsiderate to not give people a heads up, you know, like, so, so people can talk about like, Hey, like maybe I'm not comfortable being like face to face with people right now, if they're not wearing masks or like, maybe I'm not comfortable in like these, like these certain kind of masks. But if if I had known like, Oh, starting tomorrow, like I'd have time to go get N95s or like whatever somebody's individual preference would be. We, We want to at least know what's going on, if not to have a say in what's going on. That would be ideal. Can you tell us a little bit about your committee and its current membership? And then what methods have you used to get people involved? Currently, there are four of us on the organizing committee. Like everybody who's on board has kind of talked to other people in the store. There's only like 14 people in our bargaining unit. I know um, Will and I, Will is one of the other people on the organizing committee. We were outside one day. And like, we were just like getting to know one of our new coworkers. We were like talking about dogs or something. And then like, we started talking about like, oh, haha, here are all the things you learn after working here for a while. And then like, it naturally transitioned into, hey, um, actually, since we're complaining about things right now, we're going to do something about that. You want in? And like, he signed a card that day. It was cool. <laughs> We, we just got a lot of people on board, like just because I mean, a lot of us already talk like all the time and it's just like, OK, so like I know what your grievances are like, here's a here's like a plan proposed to like fix those grievances. It's like, OK, yeah, it seems like it would work. This union began very recently and has gained a lot of traction very quickly. So can you tell us a bit about the process of forming a union from the ground up in this way? I know that um, Malcolm, one of the other members of the organizing committee, reached out to UFCW Local 400, uh, United Food and Commercial Workers, which is like sort of a parent union, I guess. And was like, hey, I'm interested in organizing my workplace. After that, like he started contacting like other people, myself included, who thought I'd be interested. Once we had our general idea of like what our collective main issues were after like talking a lot, like we, we went through like a training for like best ways to like get like talk to people and then once you get 30 percent of people in your workplace who are eligible which means like non-supervisors once you get 30 percent of eligible people to sign union authorization cards union authorization cards just say hey i authorize this union to represent me in collective bargaining um once you get 30 percent of people to sign authorization cards you can file for an election with the National Labor Board. And so our election is next week. It is June 9th. If we win our election, we will start like actual negotiations with our employer. Given how close the election is, how are you and everyone on the committee feeling going into the election? 
we're feeling pretty good about it but like i'm i would i would be lying if i said that i wasn't a little bit nervous your union in a way that's different from other unions centered around your work in a private and very local business so how does this cause your union to differ from others well we've actually met the owners of the company i i don't think most people who work for Starbucks or Amazon are ever going to meet Howard Schultz or Jeff Bezos. We actually know the bosses. Like they, they come to the store. And I'd say we're also different. I don't know. I mean, like everybody loves Starbucks. In Charlottesville, like Bodo's is a beloved local business. We, we have people who come in like every day. I, when I'm When I'm closing one of the stations, like I know, okay, I can't put the Caesar salad stuff away until this person comes. I can't put the Cleo salad stuff away until this person comes. It's like, (laughs) because we have people who come like every single day. We have people who come from out of town, like, oh, like I went to UVA like 15 years ago and I've just been craving a Bodo's bagel for 15 years. So I think in that way, like we've garnered a lot of the like local community support because it's like a, a business that a lot of Charlottesville loves. What role can consumers play in these unionization efforts? Do you have anything you'd like to say to Bodo's consumers? You can still keep coming. I see a lot of people on Twitter being like, oh, well, I guess I can't go to Bodo's anymore. No, false. Still come to Bodo's. Actually, come and show your support. Like we have a thing We ask our supporters to wear red on Wednesdays if they come in and order a bagel. I've I've actually seen like some of our regulars, like we've gotten reactions from people coming in, like, I support you. My whole family support you. We love you. We love you. And just like yelling to the whole store to like a guy super quiet waiting for his bagel, just like makes eye contact with me and puts his fist in the air. Like (laughs) come show us support. Um, Follow us on Twitter at Bodo's Union. Is there anything else you'd like to add about um, your organization, anything else about your goals, or just anything you'd like to share the audience, maybe other people who are interested in uh, unionizing? Well, if anybody out there is thinking of organizing their workplaces, there are a lot of great resources online. It's like, if, if you know any coworkers who like you think might have similar views and like you're acquainted so you know oh this person won't rat to management about a plan um, it, it might be worth just trying to talk to a couple people um, if, if anybody needs their um, local union efforts blown up by the Bodo's Union Twitter <laughs> we can do that <laughs> yeah uh, anyways unions are important because workers are important and making sure everybody has the best possible working environment they can have is important. Karen Williams is a member of the Bodo's Union Organizing Committee. You're listening to Charlottesville Soundboard here on WTJU 91.1 FM and the Virginia Audio Collective. Both are a service of the University of Virginia. However, opinions on this show are not the positions of the university. WTJU is supported by the Southern Environmental Law Center. The Changing Coast, a new interactive website by SELC, explores the impacts of climate change along our coast. Learn more at thechangingcoast.org.
Thanks for staying tuned. I'm going to hand things over to Omega Ilovich for their interview with Vernon Lechte and Mary McIntyre of the Albemarle Educators Association. So I'm Vernon Lechte and I'm president of the local branch of the Virginia Education Association, which is called the Albemarle Education Association. I'm Mary McIntyre. I am the vice president of the Albemarle Education Association. This is the end of my fourth year teaching for Albemarle County Schools, but it is the 13th year of teaching for me. Have you ever been in a union before? And how did you begin to get involved with the VEA? So... Yes, this is the first union I belong to. I joined in 2013. I've worked half a dozen other jobs before becoming an educator. I actually ironically worked at the Bodos at University Avenue about eight months after I moved to Charlottesville for the first time. But yes, I've never been in a union before. I think it always comes from a place of you see something that isn't right. And so you're just like, okay, well, I can either sit there and take it or do something about it. One of the big things that really got me involved in the union was a practice that was occurring where educators were being asked to sub for others, basically without getting compensated for it. And I was looking through the Virginia State Code, just wondering, is that a thing that can happen? And I found the code that stated educators have an unencumbered planning time, meaning that no, you should not be giving up your planning time to sub for others unless you choose to do that. I remember taking that to the union president at the time, and she was able to kind of take that up the chain a little bit further to uh, the superintendent. They were able to discuss it. And then we found out later that it was made very clear after that, that you don't have to sub during your playing time if you choose not to. And if you do, they will compensate you for doing that. That was just kind of a small little example of how kind of speaking up and doing something can be impactful. Because of the union, they were able to have that kind of channel to kind of make a change. Because if the change wasn't made, we also have the law backing us up. At the same time, it comes down to if you see something happening and nobody says anything about it, well, then nothing's going to change. With the union, you do have people you can reach out to, and we're all the union members, so we're here to support one another. And so having resources that can help back us up we can kind of do what's necessary in order to improve the workplace, which is exactly what a union is there for, to make sure that the working conditions are improved for all the workers there. I was a member of a union previously. My husband was in the Air Force and we were stationed in Germany and I was hired to teach at Ramstein Elementary School. At that time, when I was hired and I found out I was going to be making more than $50,000 a year, I had never made that much money before in my life uh, as a teacher. And I thought, oh my God, that's so much money. Now I can afford to join the union. And so the minute I was hired, I filled out the application for the FEA. And because they have a strong union, the teachers in the Department of Defense schools have excellent contracts. They have excellent pay and benefits and protections. And I ended up needing that union membership right away because the first month that I was employed, they messed up my pay. And when I went to the front office and asked for it to be fixed because I really needed that money, they said, oh, well, we can't take care of that until next month. In the meantime, I had to pay daycare for my daughter, which was really expensive, and I didn't have enough money to cover that. So it really caused a financial hardship. The second month of my employment, they messed up my pay again. And when I went to the office and I said, this isn't right, this is not the right amount of money, they said, oh, sorry, we'll get it right next month. And I thought, 
no, I can't wait another month. I need this money. So I contacted the union. They contacted their lawyer. A letter was sent and within two days, a check was on my desk. And it was a shame that I had to get the union involved to get that situation settled, but it showed me immediately the power of having representation and having a whole group of people behind you. So when I had that experience in Germany, when I moved here to Virginia, I knew I wanted to join the union. And I also want to say that I had never joined a union before we moved to Germany because I was still in my first five years of teaching at that point, And my pay was so low, I didn't feel like I could afford it. And it was only a little bit later into my teaching career where my salary reached a point where I thought, oh, okay, well now I can afford the money for a union membership. And now I also know that our dues really are reasonable. They are not excessively high. They are absolutely manageable for people if they make the union a priority. I've researched into other unions like the United Steelworkers, United Auto Workers, the Teamsters, the Dock Workers, and our union dues are less than most of those other national very strong unions. So when I hear people concerned about the cost of union membership, I absolutely can empathize and understand. For me, it's 100% worth it and it's something that I'm committed to. What is a teacher's union and what makes it unique as a type of union? First of all, it's not just a teacher's union, it's an educator's union because we represent everybody in Albemarle County Public Schools. So that includes teachers, school counselors, therapists, psychologists, teaching assistants, office associates, bus drivers, speech language pathologists, custodians, food service, anybody that's involved in education can be a part of the Albemarle Education Association. A key thing that's a little bit different than from some of the other unions that Mary mentioned is that it's a public sector union. Virginia doesn't have the best of history with public sector unions. I mean, unions in general, but public sector unions. So what's recently changed, which has been very exciting for public sector unions, is that for the first time in over 44 years, public sector unions are allowed to obtain collective bargaining rights, which is basically the ability to negotiate a contract. It's kind of like the top thing that unions do in order to make not only their own contracts better, but research has shown that when they do that for their own professions, it also helps out professions that aren't unionized because they're trying to compete with the union uh, shops, so to speak. That recently got passed in 2020 in Virginia, but there's a lot of steps you have to take to get to that point. Specifically, we in the Admiral Education Association have gone through those steps, have gotten a majority of our workforce to sign authorization cards to get bargaining rights. However, there is a clause in the law that says it is up to a locality to determine whether or not to accept a resolution for collective bargaining or not. So we are currently still trying to discuss that, so to speak, with our elected leadership in the school board, because we know how important it is that people get a say in what goes into their contract. We know that helps out with worker retention. And especially after this year, one of the most difficult years to be any kind of educational worker, we know that having a voice and being able to have a legally binding contract that takes into account our concerns is going to be extremely beneficial to make sure that people want to work and live in Albemarle County. 
There are a lot of people that ask, mm -hmm. what is the AEA and what do they do? And my answer is, we are the AEA. The AEA are the people that are involved in this organization because without us, it wouldn't be strong and it wouldn't be able to do much at all. Those of us that are here locally that are in the schools and building relationships with people and keeping an eye out for each other and speaking up when we see something that's wrong, we are the union. And so, yes, we do have the backing of the VEA at the state level and the NEA at the the national level, but I feel like our local association, the Albemarle Education Association, has been so influential and so powerful this year and more organized than ever. We are the fastest growing local association in the state because of those relationships and because of that work that we have done. Virginia is a right-to-work state. Just talk a little about what that means in general and how has that presented any challenges for you in the work you do? It's kind of a mis misnomer what right to work is, but specifically what it means is, let's say a union negotiates your contract, you don't have to join the union to get all the benefits of that. In states without right to work, what it means is even if you're not a member of the union, you pay a certain amount of money. They're not only negotiating for members, they're negotiating for everybody. The more membership you have, the more resources you have, the more support that there is, the greater your position at the bargaining table. Now, some states might not want that. And what has happened with right to work is that it literally does damage the negotiating power because people are like, well, hey, I'm getting the benefits and don't have to pay anything. So why should I? And so as we've been doing our campaign, and this is one of the big reasons why we are growing in our membership a lot, is we're explaining this to people. We're explaining the fact that, hey, if I go in to negotiate and I'm supposedly representing the entire bus driver fleet. But if only, let's say, 10% of them are union members, people that I'm negotiating with will see that and be like, everybody says they want it, but only X amount are doing their dues and everything. So people understand and they realize, yeah, and it's not just paying dues, it's getting involved. It's being willing to kind of show up. It's being willing to show up to a school board meeting or speak to a school board member or write an email or get other people involved. I mean, Virginia has been a right to work state since I think 1947. We decide what happens and the union is the local members. It's what people are willing to do. And the more and more people that get involved, the stronger the power that we have. And the more people that can show their support and encourage others to show their support, that's where we're basically going to move forward despite it being a right to work state. There have been some employees who say, well, I worry about us trying to win collective bargaining because I worry you're going to try to force us to go on a strike. And even if we're granted the rights to collective bargaining, that still does not mean that we can strike. Striking is still illegal in Virginia, and it's not on our action plan at all. We have many other ways that we can influence things that happen in the school division and in the community without striking. Striking has proven to be very effective, though, in other localities. So if it ever, if the law ever changes, and it became legal, then maybe that would be something that we would pursue. What are some of the goals of your association? I think our top goal is to gain bargaining rights. It's at the whim of our central office or our school board. Bargaining gives us a legal guaranteed contract that explicitly states what our roles and responsibilities are. It needs to be kind of legally down in paper and writing so the employees actually know, what am I signing off of? And did I have a say in what's going on in my working conditions because we're the ones that are on the ground. I mean, parents want professional people to educate, to feed, to transport their students. 
And if they trust us to do all these jobs for the students of Albemarle County, they should trust us to be able to tell them what we need to do our jobs. I think that a larger goal for our organization truly is to grow to a position where we can support every employee in the county. And I think that perhaps we haven't realized that we are the ones we've been waiting for. We've been asking them for support that we really should be giving each other and we can give to each other. And so I think that we started that process this year and we've done a fantastic job reaching out to every single location and doing our best to reach every single employee and let them know that we are there and we're ready to listen and do whatever they need. Another goal that we have is to support other unions around here. The city schools seem poised to win collective bargaining and we want to give them all of the support that we possibly can because we were further into this process ahead of them. They've learned quite a lot from what we did in the county and we've provided everything that we could and handed over resources and given them advice because we want to see them succeed. I want them to win it because it's the right thing to do and I think it will only help our process in the county when the county can see another organization close by be able to do it successfully. I wish that the county schools had the vision and were brave enough to try it themselves, but it doesn't appear that they do. And so we may just have to see the city schools do that first. We have to make sure that we stand up for everyone else too. And so that's definitely one of our goals this year. What would you say to people in the community who are interested in unionization? I tell them they can come to our school board meetings if they want to. The next one is going to be June 9th. I'm happy to discuss questions they have about unionization or collective bargaining with them. We usually meet up at about six o'clock before the school board meeting. So we're at the front steps for about a half an hour. The first thing is educate yourselves, all right? Figure out who's getting involved. The goal is to make working conditions improve and that's ultimately going to benefit the entire city and the entire county because people can afford to live in the city or county or are happy to live in the city and county. My advice is if people are interested in unionization, great, help us out. Talk to us, learn what you can do, write to your city council or city school board member, or if you live in the county, uh, board of supervisors or county school board members, let them know that you support the union and what they're trying to do. I would tell the members of the community to just keep in mind that we are your neighbors, we are your friends, we are the parents of your children's soccer teammates, we are your children's teachers, we are shopping in the grocery store right next to you. We are all just people trying to live successful and happy lives. And so when we tell you that we need something, please remember that that is who we are. Because I think sometimes anti-union voices will try to other us and act as if we have some sort of sinister agenda that we simply don't have. So there's a way that we talk with our students when we're having them evaluate something that they don't really know very much about and trying to consider it from different perspectives. And so one of those questions is who benefits from this and who loses? And when you look at unionization and when you look at collective bargaining through that lens, then it can answer some of those questions for you and things start to become pretty clear. Another question we talk about with students a lot is whose voice is being heard and whose voice is not being heard because that can reveal where the truth of a story really is when you only get to hear one side of every story. And then I want folks to keep in mind, what is our end goal? This is not just about money. 
This is not just about benefits or working conditions. Our end goal is to create a school division that is super high quality, where every child is coming every day and getting a fantastic education, and where every employee is happily showing up at work and thriving and feeling supported and is able to financially support their family. So I think we all have the same goals, I think that the methods of how we're gonna get there might be a little bit different. And that is why we're doing what we're doing here in the Albemarle Education Association. Vernon Lechte is the president of the Albemarle Educators Association and Mary McIntyre is the vice president. Well, that does it for this week's edition of Charlottesville Soundboard, your source for news, culture, and community issues in Central Virginia. My name's Mary Garner McGee. Our producers this week are Omega Ilovich, Sadie Randall, and Ashley Park. Our theme song is Kyoja Beat by Marin Alasco and Jay Pun. This is Charlottesville Soundboard. Mm